Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Star Wars, Episode 8, The Last Jedi, in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. There is a new Star Wars movie in town. It is episode 8 of the ongoing, I guess you can call it the Skywalker saga, or, or just the continuation from the original trilogy, uh, the direct sequel to Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, and the timeline sequel, as far as when these films were being released, uh, to Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Now... My own personal history with Star Wars is one that's probably different from most Star Wars fans. I never watched the original films until, you know, I was probably about a teenager, like 13 or 14. And by that point, the prequels had already come out. You know, I I had watched the prequels. I, I believe I watched the original trilogy after seeing Attack of the Clones, but before seeing Revenge of the Sith. And I went back and I finally tracked down the original trilogy and I watched those. And at that point in my life, I liked the the prequels, but I wasn't, you know, a big fan of them. But I, I really enjoyed the original trilogy. But even still, like, I wasn't a huge fan. I was never a diehard Star Wars fan. I didn't read into the mythology. I didn't read the books, the comics. I wasn't you know, interested in the backgrounds of most of the characters other than what I could see on the screen. I thought the Force was cool. I thought lightsabers were cool. But I didn't buy into the hype the way that so many people did. So many people. You know, this is the most fanatical series of movies. This is These are the biggest blockbusters of all time. And for good reason. You know, they're wonderful. They're excellent. Uh, they, they have some of the greatest visuals and storytelling, uh, depending on which movie you're referring to, that has ever been seen at that time and in most cases since then. There's a reason that people still flock to these movies so many years later. You know, they're fans of the originals, they grew up with the originals, they grew up with the prequels even. And as maligned as the prequels are, they have inspired a whole new generation of Star Wars fans for better or worse. And now we have episodes 7, 8, and 9. Uh, 7, The Force Awakens, having come out two years ago in 2015. The Last Jedi was released this past weekend. Well, I guess you're hearing this much later, but when I'm recording it, they were released this, it was released this past weekend. And uh, as well as Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, which was the first true spin-off film from the main episodes. And while it still dealt with the same plot line, it still filled in a gap in the story that had been puzzling viewers for quite some time, it was a big blockbuster, big budget Star Wars movie. And we're basically on track to get one of those every year with uh, Solo, Han Solo coming out next year, episode nine the year after that, and who knows going forward. And I didn't get to see the movie till Sunday. So not only did I have all of the pre-screening reactions to sift through and, and try to ignore as best as I could, but I had 
the Friday night, the Thursday night, and the Saturday crowd as well, who were all seeing the movie before me, and whose opinions I was desperate to avoid and ignore and push to the side until I had seen the film for myself. So I went into Saturday's viewing. I went, we saw it mid-afternoon. And unfortunately, we sat in the very front row. But it was a reclining seat, you know, it was a entirely reserved seating theater and it made the front the front not as bad as guess is what I'm getting at but that's how I saw it and I'm very excited to see the movie again and in better seats to see if anything changes see if I, I react differently to different scenes and scenarios than I did this time but from my first experience in the movie I hadn't seen any of the trailers. I had avoided as much of the promotional material as possible. I hadn't read any spoilers. I didn't know anything that happened in the grand scheme of things. I was excited. I was very excited for the movie. I was hopeful that it would be just as thrilling as The Force Awakens was when I watched that for the first time. I wanted those booyah moments. I wanted that excitement. I wanted to be jumping out of my seat, not literally, but figuratively, and... I wanted Ryan Johnson to, as, and as much as I enjoyed the fact that Force Awakens took a step toward the nostalgia and paid off a lot of those moments that we really wanted to see as fans, I wanted Ryan Johnson to do something new and different. And I, I didn't realize it until after having seen the movie and after kind of reading some of the reactions and reviews from other people, but... If you look back at the older movies, not just the original trilogy, but the, pre the, the prequels as well, after, I would say after, the, after Empire Strikes Back, there are very few interesting directions that the, that the franchise takes. And the more I thought about it, the more this hit home harder and harder. Because after Empire... And you get that incredibly epic, you know, I'm your father line. Like, that's, that's, that, that's cinematic. It's groundbreaking. It's incredibly powerful and brilliant writing from Lucas and his team. But since then, we really haven't gotten anything along those lines. You know, Return of the Jedi was fun. I liked Return of the Jedi. I think it's great. But I think that it hits, it hits home the hardest of what, I'm, what, what this point I'm getting at, which is the films became so clearly the good, light versus the dark sides. They became so clearly good versus evil that you left almost no realm for gray. Because when you look at Return of the Jedi, that climactic scene where Darth Vader finally turns to the light and kills Sidious is a powerful scene, a great scene, and a scene that only comes from the fact that Luke is able to get inside his, his father's head to, get, to, to twist his mind and to, to bring out the good that's inside of him. But that doesn't need to be, that doesn't need to happen. We don't need it to be that crystal clear. We don't need it to be that divided right down the middle. Vader is allowed to be a gray character. He is allowed to exist on the dark and the light side. And, and I think the problem was that Star Wars movies 
had kind of forced us into the and pigeonholed us into that idea of well look if you have a red lightsaber you are evil you are a bad guy if you're in a stormtrooper outfit you're bad and the best aspect there there are two things i love about the force awakens that i think have really impacted the new franchise going forward. One, the main character is a female. The fact that it's we're following Rey and not a little white boy is incredibly important to me. And I say that as someone who used to be a little white boy. And I think that that makes you know I think that more than more more than enough people have come out and agree like. Despite the fact that in The Force Awakens, Rey appears to be great at everything and highly intelligent, very passionate, very skilled at anything that's put in front of her, you know, the, almost the quintessential Mary Sue, she's exciting to watch. I love Daisy Ridley in this role, and I'm excited to see her character go for, going forward. The second aspect is Finn. And now, Finn's character is very... It's a lot more difficult to discern and ascertain because I don't think we get enough information about Finn in The Force Awakens as we could. But the information that we have presented to us from the first few moments we see him is that he is a stormtrooper. And for the first time in this series, in a cinematic experience, we see a stormtrooper not only take off their helmet and reveal that they are black, not white, again, great, but reveal that stormtroopers who prior to that moment we just blanket blanket assume are all bad might not be and all of a sudden in that one instant you look back at all the stormtroopers that have been killed over the in the past movies you look at all of the ones that have been slaughtered and destroyed cut down by lightsabers by blasters crushed by debris, blown up in explosions, choked by the force, and all of a sudden, these are all people. These are all humans with lives, with souls, with dreams, with hopes, with desires. And because Finn took off his helmet, and because underneath that helmet, he was a person... The, these mindless killings, this, these, the slaughter of stormtroopers that we've seen and experienced for years and years and years, that we've made fun of, that we've joked about, that we've laughed about, you know, the, the endless amount of missed shots they've taken has all culminated in this one moment, and it has impacted what we think of them going forward. And I, you know, maybe I'm fairly alone in this thought, but I look at stormtroopers now and I'm like, well, if one of them can be Finn, if one of them can realize and, and have this moral quandary, can have this, this, this resistance to what is happening and, and fight what's going on, then why can't more? Why can't others do the same thing? And maybe not to the same level. Maybe they're not just trying to escape like Finn was, but maybe they just don't agree with it. Maybe they think they're, it's, going, it's being done incorrectly, you know? 
somebody has to elevate to uh, phasma status in some sense. You know, she must have started out as a lowly stormtrooper in the beginning. But I don't know. I mean, we don't really understand that. We don't really get a good sense of a backstory there the way that I think we should in some cases. So, The Force Awakens, as much like The New Hope as it might have been, did some great things in pushing this series forward into a brand new direction. And so I wanted, I wanted that tenfold in The Last Jedi. And some of the early reviews gave me hope that we could see that. They did. And so when I watched this movie, all two and a half hours, two, well, I clocked it at two hours and 24 minutes, but roughly two and a half hours of it, I was very impressed by a lot of things. I was impressed by Rose's character, the fact that we just learn about her, we grow close to her, we become attached to her, and we feel for her. That she's not a white person, that she's not a male person, and that she has agency, she makes decisions on her own, and she is strong. She has dealt with loss, and she has come out the other side with a hopeful point of view. And what's more, we break down these core characters from the original film. We break them down and we find that they are not as crystal clear as we think they are. Ray is not as perfect as we think she is. Poe is not as great as he thinks he is. Finn is not the hero that we've called him. He is not the purveyor of change and the hero of the resistance that even in this film, even in The Last Jedi, they refer to him as. He is, he and all of these characters, these main, the main trio, Poe, Finn, and Rey, are far more complex. Their stories are not so black and white. And that is for the greater good. I, I, I don't... I understand various levels of backlash against some of the aspects of this movie. And I think that for the people and from the places that those people are coming from, I can understand what would make them have these feelings and have these opinions. But for me, the majority of The Last Jedi is able to circumvent and cast aside and upend the status quo. No longer are we forced to look at things as black and white, as good and evil, as light and dark, but we can see them as some mixture of the two. You know, Kylo Ren, Rey, Luke Skywalker, Poe, Finn. There are characters in this movie who we think are one way completely, who have both sides in them. There are characters who show that they are capable of making grave mistakes, that they are not flawless, that they are not Mary Sue's, and that their mistakes can lead to terrible, terrible consequences. And I'm not going to get into spoilers in this, in this segment. I'm not even going to get into it in this episode. But I will try to cover as many angles and elements of the film as I can, as many feelings and emotions that I've had after leaving the theater uh, without spoiling anything, you know, I'll, I'll, 
I intend to see the movie again, maybe three times, uh, but I'm going to wait until I've seen the movie at least twice to do a fully spoiler-filled review of this movie. I want to make sure I can remember things clearly, and like I said, I want to sit in a place of part of the theater where I can see the movie a little bit better, because I want to have a more, uh, I don't know, intricate and intimate understanding of this film and the way it looks and the way it feels and the way the characters move and act and and think. So I'm going to give myself that additional, uh, I, I don't know, additional time to breathe and understand. So what that means is this episode will be (laughs) <laughs> this this episode of the podcast will be purely spoiler-free review. Uh, you will also get a spoiler-free, I think, I, I don't know if there's anything to spoil as far as uh, the, for, um, the Last Jedi's statistics episode, because any of the people that are in the movie that you may, not, may or may not know about, they don't, they probably don't, they're not that consequential. And then, and then sometime... Going forward, uh, hopefully before the end of the year, but it, you know, it depends on the scheduling and how, when going to see the movie will be. But uh, that will give me the time to put out a spoiler-filled review because at the moment, I, I'm a big fan of this movie. The Last Jedi is a better movie than The Force Awakens. It is a better made movie than any of the prequels and any of the original trilogy. Like, uh, and, you know, I, I find it tough to talk about Rogue One in the same context, but even Rogue One, you know, Last Jedi is the best made movie, best directed movie, best uh, visual and cinematography movie of Star Wars. It is. I, I think that's largely undeniable. And... You know, you look at this movie, it's, it's beautiful, it's picturesque, you know, it, it's, it's got a little bit of a Kubrickian vibe in that almost every frame could be the background of your computer or phone. And that's, that's a really powerful element to this movie. You know, you, you think about, if you've seen the movie, you can look, there's, you know, a dozen different moments and scenes that you can point to where like, oh shit, that is incredible. Holy fuck, I can't believe that just happened. Oh my goodness, they did that, and that's so beautiful. You know, whether it's, you know, the silhouette of a character across the night sky, or, or, you know, I don't know, I, can't, I don't really get into any specifics, but, but I'm sure you can think of all these aspects and elements that I'm, I'm referring to. But that, then, then the question becomes, and, and I guess what, what ultimately is the driving force behind where this ranks as far as Star Wars films goes, is really the story. Because I think the performances on display in The Last Jedi are all very good. I, I didn't... I'm still working through Donald Gleason's General Hux. I think that this film went a long way to try to pinpoint his personality and, and understand who he is as a character. I was very... They they make a, a couple shifts and they, they kind of steer him into a different direction than he was portrayed as in Force Awakens. And while at first I was a little a little put off, a little standoffish about this new direction, I have grown to be I've grown to adjust and and uh, 
accept what Ryan Johnson has delivered for us with General Hux's character. I'm excited to go back and rewatch it. Uh, I think the biggest part for him that doesn't work for me is pretty much his very first scene uh, where he is, um, at one point, he is exchanging uh, uh, communications with Poe Dameron. And I, and I didn't really, that, didn't, that scene didn't work for me, but I think the rest of the movie, he, he is largely improved as a character. Uh, and, and, that's, and that extends to the new characters as well. You know, you look at Rose, you look at Laura Dern. They, they have their moments. They have done things really well. They, they are just both, they both perform very well. You know, Laura Dern, great actor. She is fantastic, brings a lot of gravitas to that role. Um, I, I don't know the name of the woman who plays Rose, but she is fun. Uh, I, she gets one of the best lines in the movie, in my opinion. And she develops a, a relationship with uh, Finn that I think is, is very natural and feels very very good, very strong. Uh, I look at someone like Benicio Del Toro, who is a new variation on Lando Calrissian. And Benicio Del Toro is... He affects a stutter. I've heard that like whether or not you enjoy the character or enjoy the performance... Um, most people don't seem to appreciate or like the the role, the fact that like he's even in the movie at all. You know, I've heard people refer to the claim that you know anybody could have played that role. It's not big enough for him and such. And I would say one, it seems like he's going to be in the next movie. I get the feeling that they're going to use him again. I, I, I that's just how I feel. But two, I think that Del Toro's you know, he affects a stutter in, in for his character, which I didn't have a problem with. I thought it was it was good. I thought it was interesting to add that layer to the movie. You know, we've seen, uh, I guess you could call it Yoda's the way of speaking, a, a speech impediment of some sort. And, you know, this is Del Toro doing a similar aspect of that. You know, he stutter. It's a very distinct stutter, one that... I'm not sure you would really hear in real life, necessarily, but, but it, it's very unique, and I, I liked it for that aspect of it. I liked the character, and, you know, I think Del Toro does a great job. He gives a great performance, and like I told my, friend, uh, my, my girlfriend, who I saw the movie with, afterward, I, I remarked, I said, you know, Benicio Del Toro was dropping truth bombs in this movie. Like, he... His the excursion that involves his character the the it's sort of a side plot side mission, and it's it's easily the weakest of all the side plots in this movie. That doesn't make it a weak plot in general. It just means that the rest are stronger. But the way he talks and the what he tells um, the characters that are with him, he is he he just keeps blowing up the way they see the world because. Not just by what he's saying, what he's doing, and how he's acting, the people he's interacting with, and, and it's it's really fascinating to have a character like this because Lando Calrissian kind of tried to be this character, and to a small degree succeeded, but on the whole, it feels like uh, I think RJ is RJ's character, DJ, DJ. I'm sorry, I think DJ is far better at. A, getting to this sort of morally gray area 
that I think Calrissian was not capable of achieving. I think Calrissian, while definitely not always on the right side of a situation, as, you know, he sells the... Um, he sells everybody out to Darth Vader, he is still, at, at his heart, he is obviously a good person. And I don't think you feel the same way when you look at DJ. I think his actions and, and words lead him in completely different directions depending on when you talk to him. And I don't think he ever tries to be on one side or the other. So I like DJ's character. Um, and I, I don't, again, I, I think they're going to use him again in episode nine. I would, I would love to see him more of him, but it remains to be seen whether or not that happens. And then let's see, you know, I don't really, I don't need to talk about the main characters as far as their performance. I think it's tough to do that without going into some of the spoilers. Uh, but, but that's, they're all good. I, I think. You know, Adam Driver, Daisy Ridley, uh, Mark Hamill. These are, like, they're all kind of best in show. They're all very good. I, I was very impressed. It's been so long since Mark Hamill has been Luke Skywalker, and that's a tough role to step back into and have changed over, you know, 40-odd years. And he does a great job, I think, of not only re rejoining a, a role, not rejoining, um, not only returning to a role that has escaped him for so long, but it's the role that's kind of defined him as a person in, in most of his life. And now he not only has to go back to it, but he has to play it as if 40 years have passed. And now he's also got to deal with the extra layer that Ryan Johnson is completely pushing the character in a direction that most of the fans and most of the theories did not expect or and not necessarily didn't even want for that matter. And so that was very tricky and I think he pulls that off with great aplomb. Uh, and then as far as Driver and, and Ridley go, they are, you know, I thought they were great in The Force Awakens. I think they're just as good, if not better, in The Last Jedi. They have a much more emotional uh, journey and a greater arc to go to 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 cover in this movie than they did in the first one and they end up in some pretty in, interesting and, and exciting places going forward and that's i don't know i i don't have it's really tough i so i've, I've read a lot of thing a lot of pieces about this movie i've listened to a lot of people talk about this movie i've seen a lot of people you know criticize it and praise it on twitter i've read interviews with ryan johnson about this movie with mark hamill uh with all the various actors you know i've i've in since seeing the movie i have ingested a lot a lot of content regarding the for uh, the last jedi regarding reactions things liked and not liked uh, and and responses, reviews, critiques. I've read them. I've heard the, a lot of them. And they're all varied. Not everyone is in love with this movie. Not everyone hates this movie. There are people that are mixed. And while uh, it's tough because I think that the movie 
impress the movie plays hard to try to be something original and be something new and it takes your expectations and it answers questions that you didn't think would be answered until episode 9 and what's more it gives you answers to those questions that you never saw coming and i heard now i heard i read an interview with Ryan Johnson where he talks about empire strikes back and he pinpoints the scene where vader tells luke that he is his father and the way he f- he frames this scene uh is is fascinating because he puts himself in the place of an audience member back then and when you approach this scene the reason it works so well and the reason it is such a gut punch to hear vader claim to, and tell luke that he's his father is because the it's it's written because that is and that moment the phrase and and the explanation and the def- definite definition that is going to hit home and hurt luke the most because through these two movies luke has gone you know he has trained with yoda he has he has hated vader he has you know he he doubts that he and you know given the circumstances he doubts that he has what it takes to get to, to finish the job to go the distance and the thing that pushes him over the edge the thing that is going to affect him the most in that exact moment is vader saying i am your father because that is some that that those four words drop luke skywalker's world out from beneath him and and additionally they shatter the world that has been created for the audience at that time that is how remarkable and uh just just horrific those that that situation and that reality is and so ryan johnson approaches the explanation of Rey's parents and her lineage in the same way he cuz you know he he goes on to say you know what is the one thing you know what is the one thing that Rey can learn about her parents about who she came from that will hurt the most what is the one thing that will subvert and ultimately uh uh subvert expectations but also be the thing that fans and audience members least expect and be the best motivator and driving force behind Ray going forward and i think he 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 explains that so well i, I maybe i don't as well as he does i i'm sure i don't i'm sure i don't i don't know if you can find the article uh, i think that he did the interview with slash film and with Peter Serretta, maybe. And it's it's a brilliant maneuver that Ryan Johnson pulls. And I think while many people are not going to be happy that that's the direction everything goes, I am ecstatic that that is the situation we live in now. I think that is such a intelligent 
and interesting direction to take for this character. So I'm happy about that. All right, so... Kind of running thin on stuff to talk about as far as the Force, the, the Last Jedi goes. So, ultimately, I, I tweeted that I think that this movie... Two things. Two, two, more, two more topics I want to touch on. One, this movie succeeded in making me want to rewatch every other Star Wars movie that's ever been made. That is a testament to its level of craft and storytelling abilities. Because now I want to go back and rewatch because not just for the fact of like, one, how does this hold up against the original movies, but two, I want to go back and rewatch movies where Leia and Luke are the main characters, where they are the principal characters in the films. Because I want to have a better understanding of them than I did. I want to refine my knowledge and recognition of those characters. And I want to go back to the prequels, too. Because with, with Kylo Ren, from, from looking at The Force Awakens, so indelibly tied to Darth Vader, as that is his grandfather, you know, I want to have a better recognition of, of him and him growing up. And recognizing that there's a lot of uh there are moments in in last jedi where luke talks about the force and the jedi as and like the history that they've had and their future and the better movies to go to for that uh for 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 more understanding on that is the prequels because in the prequels there are dozens and dozens and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of Jedi. And there's only like one or two in the original trilogy. So I, I really want to see more Jedi and, and try to get a better grasp on their order. And then the second thing I wanted, I wanted to lastly touch on is I said in, I, I tweeted that this is not, you know, when you grew up with the original trilogy, those were your Star Wars movies. And when the prequels came out, you reverted back to the original trilogy. Because, like, the prequels, they're not your Star Wars movies. They're bastardizations, for the most part, of what makes the original Star Wars movies great. Uh, but for some people who grew up with the prequel trilogy, they are our Star Wars movies. And I was the perfect age for those movies. You know, I was, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, in that area range when... Um, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith and um, The Phantom Menace all came out. So I was the right age for those movies, but I didn't latch on to them as much as I probably, as many as some others probably did. And what's more, you know, I was well, well too young to to consider the original trilogy my Star Wars. They just I don't know, they didn't fit with my idea of what sci-fi was supposed to look like when I was a kid. They were a little too old, they, they hadn't, you know, not that the, the movies haven't aged well, because I think they have, but they just, they were so dated for me growing up when I finally got to see them. And so when The Force Awakens came out, man, now that was my Star Wars. 
That was what I wanted my Star Wars to look like. And those are the characters I wanted my Star Wars to be. But given how closely The Force Awakens had connected itself to A New Hope in terms of plot and, and sequence and nostalgia, I hesitated at being so forthright and so upfront about that claim. And then The Last Jedi hammered it home. This, these movies may not be, you know, I don't think The Force Awakens is better than the original trilogy by a stretch, but I do think The Last Jedi is at least on par with them. And so for me, these two movies, Episode 7, Episode 8, and uh, these are my Star Wars movies. I, I really do need to rewatch Rogue One, but at least Force Awakens and Last Jedi are my Star Wars movies. Because I could give a shit about the prequels. I, I think they're mostly bad and uh, largely inconsequential. And the originals are great, but not in an, oh my god, I love them so much kind of a way. In a, I respect and appreciate them, but I don't have any passionate emotion behind my feelings but these movies and these characters are my star wars i am even more excited now for episode nine with a little bit of trepidation because i don't know how much i can trust jj abrams to not kind of revert back to return of the jedi but i am infinitely infinitely more excited for the trilogy coming from Ryan Johnson. Hopefully that doesn't get canned or something because of the backlash this that Last Jedi is receiving. But I really, really hope to get more movies out of Ryan Johnson in the Star Wars world because I think he's shown and proven that he is capable of creating something unique and original in these movies. And that is what I want to see. I don't want to see another New, new Hope. I don't want to see another Empire. I want new movies. I want better innovative movies that can now tell even greater stories because we have even greater effects and even greater filmmakers you know like that's i think that's the reality we live in so i'm excited and i'm happy to finally have a group of star wars movies that i can call mine you know whatever obviously they're not just mine everyone a lot of people have claimed them as theirs but it is so fun and so fascinating and so nice to have movies where I can say, That's, this is my movie, this is my Star Wars. It's mine. And I really enjoy that. That's really fa- uh, I'm really thankful to Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams for, for giving me this satisfaction and the pleasure of saying those things. So, that's pretty much my spoiler-free review of The, uh, the Last Jedi. I apologize that I don't go that there's no spoiler section in this ep, this movie this episode. Sorry, uh, but that is where things stand right now. I want to thank you so much for listening, and I also want to thank you for bearing with me while I've had no internet connection really for the last week or so uh, while I've been on vacation. Uh, and I mentioned you know I am going to be getting out an adi- three additional episodes this week to compensate for that. Um, this episode coming out on Monday. We'll start that off, and uh, we got a lot to we got a lot to cover. So let's get to it. If you want to check out more stuff about the website, about 
um, me about the spreadsheet about Circle of Film Awards and things like that. You can go to circleoffilm.com. You want to contact me in any way, shape, or form with any comments, concerns, questions, or answers, you can email me uh, at circleoffilm at gmail.com or tweet at, at circleoffilm. Uh, I will respond to both. And Patreon is still up and running. Uh, as I mentioned before, they have reverted and decided to keep the original payment plan and structure. Uh, so for, this, for the foreseeable future, we are still up and running on Patreon. And if you would like to support the show, you can do that at patreon.com slash circle of film. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.